0: You're listening to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, brought to you by Vespa.
1: Hi, this is Peter Defty, and welcome to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast. And um, today we're continuing on with our last podcast with Dr. Beverly Rubick on agglutination of red blood cells and and how um, EMF, uh, electromagnetic uh, frequencies, affect uh, our blood rate. Uh, red blood cells. And so today, um, I have on the podcast, uh, Michael Newart, who is a very experienced EMF specialist, and, and we'll have in the notes uh, how you can contact him and learn more about him and go to his website and get his products. But Michael, um, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hello, it's good to be here.
1: Yeah. Um, I think this is it's all really kind of serendipitous because, you know, today in your email to me, you said you've got... Uh, Dr. Mercola's fat for fuel book. And, uh, I was actually the guy who coined that term oh, yes. and, um, but, the, but back, back when I coined it, everybody thought I was crazy, but, um, now all of a sudden it's popular.
0: Very interesting.
1: Yeah. But the part of that whole fat for fuel thing is, is, is very intimately related to this whole, um, situation with, um, emf and how emf affects us on a physiological level and, and that that um physiologic stressor is is far from benign and, and i think that that's where you're going to be able to help us not only understand that you know, on a deeper level because that's not exactly what most consumers are aware of and then also um, later in the podcast we'll we'll talk to you about some practical ways people can use to mitigate that so let's uh, go ahead and explore this by first let's let's just talk i want you to do some shameless self-promotion and talk about yourself and your experience so the audience knows uh who you are and why we have you on and why you're the one of the go-to people um in this uh sphere for looking at emf
0: yes oh i appreciate it yeah i have been um Professionally, I've been working in this field for over 25 years. I actually started my business back in 1992, um, before the advent of a lot of the electromagnetic issues that we're dealing with today.
1: Well, what got you started then? What piqued your interest at that point?
0: Yeah, I'm actually an engineer, and um, I had been doing a project, uh, I was a project engineer for a fellow a physicist who was doing some inventions and I was working on one of his inventions, which is basically a particular type of power supply to um, reduce the electromagnetic fields emitted from um, electric blankets. Uh, because there's a very high exposure to magnetic fields for people who use electric blankets, and there was starting to be research showing health effects. So he basically was designing a power supply to smooth out the voltage, reduce the fields, and yet get the blanket heated up. In that process, I went through the study. So this is back in 1990, um, where I had to go through some of the studies to find out what are the issues with EMFs and what are we really trying to reduce and how low do we we need to reduce them, And I was so surprised to see how, this is back in 1990, how many studies had already been done documenting health effects from electromagnetic field exposure. Um, It was really kind of startling to me because basically I had always thought there was a problem with it. One of the reasons I took that project on was even when I was a kid, I couldn't stand electric blankets and I always felt creepy near electrical things. I even left the job as an engineer in my early career, partly because of the office I had to work in with so many fluorescent lights and things that you know, kind of bugged the heck out of me.
1: So, so you're one of those people who are, are, are probably hyper responders or hypersensitive to uh, EMF and electro, electric fields and currents?
0: Moderately, yes. There's quite a range. Um, and that's actually what I mostly work with is people who are highly sensitive. So I guess the way I, I think of it, I am. I'm fairly highly sensitive, but I'm also physiologically quite robust. So I can handle it. And one of the reasons that I even got into this as a field is when I was reducing the EMFs for the blanket, electric blanket, and I started working on my house. Oh, I can reduce this, and I can do this, and I can change the wiring, and I can do this. And I felt so much better. Um, So for me, it's not so much that I work with EMFs because there's problems with it, but because actually... I feel so much better in a clean environment you know, my i 'm not an athlete, but basically my mental performance and emotional um, well being and, and physical health are all enhanced when i 'm in lower fields it 's a very real thing for me. I know it affects others similarly, and depending on how robust people 's health is, um, it may or may not, emFs may or may not be something they 're aware of as affecting their health. But I'm pretty sure it's actually affecting everybody in some way. just some of us are much more healthy to begin with, and we're not to, we're not as um, um damaged by it as quickly um, perhaps in our lives as some other people might be
1: well yeah and and I'm glad you brought this up because this is something I want to context and, and and say right now going into this you know my goal is not to freak people out about this, nor is yours and I'm you know the way you're contexting it right now is very good because. That's what I see is is if you're frail or compromised in some way, um, certain things, whether it's EMF or diet or something, can affect you more than others. And, but if you're in fairly good, robust physical shape and certainly uh, a physically fit, non-compromised athlete would fit that thing, the occasional exposure to whether it's EMF or it eating at McDonald's or having a birthday cake, probably isn't going to impact you nearly the way it would be somebody that's, you know, physically compromised. Um, yes. And so we don't want people to freak out. We're just getting people information here so they can understand it. I think where where I think we can't all agree is that long-term chronic exposure to um, things like, you know, concentrated forms of carbohydrates or, you know, exposure to lots of uh, EMF probably isn't good for anybody.
0: Correct. I look at it that way also. And there's even some of the studies that look into the physiological effects, like you'll see changes in hormones, stress hormones. And um, this happens whether it's a sensitive person or a person who doesn't believe there's a health effect, right? Right. There still are yep. there still are biochemistry changes as a result, and there's stress in the body. But some people have are better functioning, and they don't necessarily notice that. Um, but I suspect that actually even highly functional people could function better if they were being careful with their EMF exposures.
1: Yes, yes, and it's it's all about balancing. That's why I wanted to to mention this thing about we're not trying to scare you right now because it's a balancing act. You know, we're not we're not going to throw away modern technology and all the convenience and and efficiency gains it's brought us but at the same time we need to be aware of the unintended consequences of of having technology and that you know is we are you know if we we're, we're physically healthy we are very robust and you know um Evolution or intelligent design, however anybody wants to interpret it, are being most of our existence. We we had stressors, and part of those stressors actually made us very robust. And so that occasional exposure probably isn't going to be something to worry about. And but the flip side that people really need to understand, whether it comes to food or EMF or or say envi- other environmental exposures to xeno. Um, estrogens, et cetera, you know, that that the the freaking out, the constant thinking and being scared about anything you put in your mouth or any EMF field you might be in or just constantly being stressed and scared about these things is probably going to do much more worse damage to you long term. That fear and that cortisol physiological response is going to do much more Um, negative downside than taking a very balanced informed approach where you're aware of these things and not constantly exposed to um, whether it's you know too many carbohydrates or or too much emf i just want to make sure that people really understand that and so as we delve into this because i think michael you're gonna really kind of give us a lot of good information that you know if if people don't realize that they just need to take it in not react to it and just be aware of it and then make these doable changes we'll talk about at the end towards the end of the show they can dramatically improve their lives without having all the stress that comes with the knowledge
0: yes certain amount of balance getting the best of modern technology um, but actually um, leaving behind a lot of the worst of it
1: yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of there's a, yeah exactly because and that's what you do and that's why we have you on the show because there, there's a lot of press out there and and, and n- neither you nor I are going to um, disagree with a lot of the press about you know the the smart meters or the wireless or anything that, that does have effect or microwaves or cell phones, but freaking out about it doesn't doesn't fix the problem.
0: Right, right. I would say that when I work with my sensitive clients, that's one of the most Challenging things for them is that balance between taking actions, but not feeling too overwhelmed by the state of the world. That um, that there's almost like an emotional uh, damage as a yep, result.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and, and that that's that you know, and that emotional damage, that fight or flight response where you're you chronically got your cortisol going. It just has such detrimental effects that you know it's like I tell people. Stressing out about everything you're putting in your mouth is doing as much if more more damage than yes. than just having carbohydrates. So it's as big a issue as the carbohydrates, and I think the same thing about the EMF. So let's kind of just mm-hmm. delve into this, and, and I want to really get you talking because I'm I'm as I told you earlier before we started recording, I'm a tech luddite and. I'm aware of this stuff, and, and certainly speaking with Dr. Rubik about how blood, red blood cells agglutinate when they're exposed to EMF um, helped me to understand more of what I kind of had a sense of. But, um, you know, we're going to delve into it even more with you on, on, you know, let's talk about native, non-native EMF and, and some of the everyday exposures and, and, and go into the science, and uh, we'll take it from there.
0: Very good. Quite a big subject, so um, feel free to keep me on track.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: The, um, you mentioned native, non-native. Um, there are electromagnetic fields in the environment, in our world, that are not only normal um, parts of the environment, but are actually probably pretty important for our health. And that is probably one of the reasons why the artificial EMFs, the things that we've created with electronics, harm us is because there's some interference with our natural electromagnetic biological processes um, due to these added artificial EMFs. And I'll just maybe give a, a, a there, there's so many ways that EMFs infect, uh, um, affect us and affect our physiology. Um, but one of the most interesting things that I find about electromagnetic fields is in our natural world on the planet, we have the magnetic field of the Earth, the north-south pole that we all know about. But what an inter- a really interesting um, thing that happens with this electromagnetic field of the planet is every time lightning strikes, the... The lightning affects the ionosphere, this electrical part of our atmosphere, and it's kind of like when when lightning strikes on our planet, um, as far as the north-south pole is with our magnetic field, it's almost like plucking the string of a guitar. Um, You're basically plucking, you could say, the string of the planet's magnetic field, and you actually get these natural vibrations of the Earth's magnetic field um, and it's something that's called the Schumann resonance. And people, some people may have even heard about that. And these are frequencies that are occurring all the time because there's always lightning striking on the planet somewhere. Um, and you think, well, that's no big deal. These are very low level signals, much, much weaker vibrations than that north south pole um, uh, kind of mag- steady magnetic field. This little vibrating part is very low level. But interestingly, the frequencies of that natural magnetic field are the exact same set of frequencies that are our own brain waves and the exact same frequencies of the brain waves of all animals on the planet that are sufficiently evolved to have a a brain with brain waves. Wow, this is fascinating. So it turns out that we actually get some environmental cues Um, It's kind of like, that's like the planetary radio. It tells us things about what's happening on the planet, what time of day it is. Um, Just like when you listen to your, uh, just like any EMF um, radio frequency, your cell phone uh, device um, can kind of discern things. It looks like that our bodies and brains discern things about the environment. So a very basic thing that happens is, that some of the artificial fields we create with electronics in our electrical system and a big one being just electrical power in the united states 60 hertz around a lot of the world 50 hertz that's 60 times per second this vibration well that's actually pretty close to this natural vibration of the planet and our brain waves so our brain waves are typically concentrated around seven up to 30 cycles per second and then our electricity is making these fields at 60 cycles per second So it's already been shown that these artificial magnetic fields that we create with our electrical power lines and things cause changes in our brain, suppress the secretion of melatonin by our pineal gland at night, thus affecting sleep. Also affecting our ability to fight cancer because melatonin is also one of our body's strongest natural cancer fighters. So there's just one known example of how artificial things we have are interfering with some very subtle biological processes. And I, th- I think there's thousands of more that haven't been discovered yet. So I'm imagining as research goes on, there's going to be more and more things. But basically you find all kinds of cellular changes, hormone changes, um, different kinds of what look like interference effects with some of the natural processes within our body, which leads to everything from headaches and confusion, um, nausea, um, pain, um, to, to things like actual suppression of the immune system, more cancer, in particular cancers of um, leukemia, lymphoma, melanoma. Um, and there's even some suspicion about breast cancer because one of the most interesting findings is that people exposed to EMFs, you don't see it in the women, but you see more male breast cancer, which to me indicates that there's probably an effect on female breast cancer also. But there's so many effects on female breast cancer, you don't see the EMF maybe contrib- contribution to that. So basically, um, there's so many ways that Different kinds of electromagnetic fields affect us because we are electromagnetic organisms. Um, Another kind of work that I've done a lot in the past is I actually, besides working for people, I help fix buildings where buildings have EMF issues. It's called electromagnetic interference and figuring out what's causing it, um, what to fix. And so buildings, even electronics and computers have these kind of issues too, where there's strange kind of effects on the electronics of the computer system or the building's electrical system that are kind of hard to predict. But then when you figure it out, oh, yeah, so this signal is interfering with that signal, so that doesn't know what to, hap- what to happen at the right time. And it turns out it looks like it's very similar with our bodies. Very difficult to predict how it might affect one any particular person, but um, there's quite a lot of evidence now showing all different kinds of interference effects. So the thing that's maybe really important for us at this point in time is that in the last two or three years, we have substantially increased our exposure to the electromagnetic fields, much more than it had been up to that point.
1: Right. So we started off with this base um, base of, of just electricity, right? Mostly. and. and- it, and and how it affects sleep, but you know, over time with technology, it's 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 kind of gotten more and more. But the the what you're saying now is the the speed is even accelerated. It's just constantly accelerated with the advent of technology in the last say twenty years.
0: Yes, you can figure that in the last three, four, five years, people's exposure to radio frequency radio frequency fields. That's a that's a higher frequency type of electromagnetic field though all the wireless things basically that that right. has increased you could say probably for most people a hundredfold, in a lot of cases a thousandfold, just in the last couple years
1: right and 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 beyond just say what we're going to be talking about the big pieces that we see and hear and touch and feel on a daily basis like our cell phones our computers our microwaves a lot of uh it's become very simple and and cost effective to install RFID chips in all sorts of devices. And so, um, and people don't even know they're there and they're emitting a signal too. Is that
0: correct? Yes. Yes. There's so many sources. I mean, I know for myself, um, many years ago, I stopped going to, um, gyms to work out because I just didn't like all the electrical stuff. I didn't really want to have a screen in front of me. (laughs) So I, I took the bicycling and running out in nature, um, uh, to get away from the EMF sources. And now, uh, I'm not an athlete, but I do understand there's a lot more EMF related devices that people are using for all kinds of purposes.
1: Everybody's an athlete, Michael, you're an athlete. <laughs> and, and, uh, based on our conversations, you're going to become more of one. And, and I think you're going to surprise yourself.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm kind of excited about some of the, some of the kind of work you're doing. Um, that feels really right for personally, for my own health. Also, I've been enjoying running the last four months, something I would have, you know, running more than I did when I was 21. It's just really surprising to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it it is. And, and, you know, it, you're, if you're still healthy and can do that at, the, at your age, you can, it, you'll be amazed at what it, you know, after you get through those first, those building workouts and get going, you'll be amazed at, at how it will slow down that, that whole aging
0: process—very interesting. Yeah, yeah.
1: But you know, th- let's keep moving on. So, um, you know, talk about some of the studies you you came across and, and the physiology and why all this stuff um, is bad. I mean, it's like like yeah. you say, you know, you have built, but but also I think for the, you know, I, I was piqued by what you said about how, you know, we're t- we're talking really about us because we want you know it's all about you listeners uh and and that's your primary goal but you know this emf can be at such a level that it will interfere with other electric devices in ways that people so it's it's that strong to where it's yes. you know this this is the thing and um so you know
0: there's a really not, there's a really interesting um little piece here where there's safety standards for for us humans. (laughs) Um, And there's also safety standards for electronics and electrical systems um, so that the EMFs are not too high or not the frequencies that cause interference. And and interestingly, the the, um, guidelines for protecting artificial electronics, electrical systems, are much more... and protective than they are for protecting us. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, and to give you a little idea, um, there's, um, going back to those magnetic fields from power lines, that, you know, that interference with our pineal gland making melatonin at night, that kind of effect. Those magnetic fields in nature are only in the, in the realm of like thousandth millionth of a what's called a gauss as a unit of measurement and the kind of levels that we typically have in our exposure just because we live with electrical system around us, it, is not a millionth of a gauss it's about a thousandth of a gauss right a thousand times higher oh wow and and yet and and the studies show health effects at right around um Right around that thousand level, right around that level that we're exposed to, that's where you start seeing studies showing health effects. And yet, the actual protections by an organization called ICNIRP, um, international body that kind of guidelines the, the exposure levels, they allow two of these Gauss measurements. So, in other words, the level, there's studies showing effects at one two thousandth of the level where the protections are set for us and there's levels of there's emfs that we are allowed to to get that electronics are not allowed to be exposed to because the assumption is that we're not really electronic um our brains are not that specialized we're just sort of a they actually model us as like sort of a bag of uh, water surrounded by flesh
1: Mm. that's the modeling
0: Mm. for, for the engineers for this stuff and of course the engineers know all the electronics and electrical systems they can be affected by this so it's basically what's out there for for protecting us are very loose standards that haven't really looked at some of these more interference type effects with our with our more with our nervous systems our cardiovascular systems and metabolism so Pretty much, if people want to reduce their EMFs down to the levels where even studies show that it's more safe, you can't really just go with the established mainstream guidelines at this moment. So in other words, EMFs are sort of um, regulated similar to like maybe um, um, like the food pyramid for, for health, you know, make sure you get more carbs than anything kind of approach, right?
1: Yeah, we know where that got us.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. Um, right. And
1: so, 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 you know, the standards are one thing, and they're set based on this engineering model. But what are some of the studies out there that piqued your interest, um, yes. kind of say, in terms of physiological response? Let's just kind of deep dig into the, the, the established science.
0: Yes, there's so many. Because we're, we're not a bag of water. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Because that, that has to do with, is it is the EMF so strong that it heats us up as if the only thing the way it could affect us is by heating us directly, like, like, like in a microwave oven. So that's the, that's the standard um, system of setting regulations right now. Um, but what's interesting, so at a thousandth of, a le- of the levels that cause heating, that's where you actually see effects, all kinds of effects. That one I mentioned, suppression of the pineal gland making melatonin at night, is a huge one, but there's all kinds of effects um, hormones, cell membrane changes, um, stress, a lot of a lot of stress hormones, um, yep. uh, more unwanted things crossing crossing the blood-brain barrier, and what's interestingly, um, there's starting to be more research going into the effects on blood and our metabolism. So, um, just like it used to be assumed, you know, that there were like no nerves sort of connected to our gut, right? Now we're finding out that, wow, there's a huge amount of nerves affected to our gut that regulate our, our functions in our brain. So, Yeah, and how our
1: how our, how our gut biome actually has a, a, a way, a language of talking to our bodies yes. and signaling to it and, and also the, the hormones that the stomach, like ghrelin, can produce. Produced and, and so it, it is fascinating.
0: Yes, so they're very similar. EMFs are not understood in a very similar way um, that um, our gut wasn't understood of how, you know, how interrelated that is a part of our health and well being. So, some of the main things that um, the the main studies that first alerted people to the effects of EMFs were increased um rates of cancers especially leukemia and especially for children there's 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 reasons for that but that's where some of the strongest um, evidence comes from is the the children living near power lines and so that's one part of it so there's a study a big study in sweden um, back in 1993, where they found at a level of 2 milligoss, that's one of the units of measurements of magnetic fields from power lines, um, that they would have double the leukemia rate. And there's another germans. St- and what's interesting about these, um, when I look at the studies, I don't necessarily look at these things necessarily cause cancer it looks like it's more stress on the body in particular stress on the immune system because the lowest level that's been linked to cancer for the same kind of magnetic field I've been using it as an example was one milligoss. and that was a German study where they looked at children who already had leukemia and if they lived in a home under one milligoss, those kids had double the survival rate of the kids with leukemia that were trying to recover with the same therapies, but they lived in homes above one milligoths. Wow. So you start to see that there's some kind of bigger effect on our body's ability to be healthy, robust, have our immune system work, um, basically maybe interfering with other functions that would work a little better if we didn't have this added stress. Yep, yep. And. So maybe the biggest concern for, for a lot of people uh, listening to this might be another type of EMF. I've been talking about these magnetic fields. Um, there's what we called, and I mentioned a little earlier, the radio frequency fields. Radio frequency, the word radio is used because in the beginning that was the first uh, of these higher frequency fields was for radio, AM radio course that's now expanded to fm radio tv broadcasting and all mic- our microwave ovens all of these wireless communications from cell phones and smart meters and wi-fi routers and um, just uh, bluetooth all of these are using these higher frequency types of emfs we call radio frequencies and that it turns out also starts to have similar effects and um, some of the strongest evidence comes from similar kinds of cancer studies and leukemia with kids. Um, But another that's maybe really appropriate to what we're talking about today is some of the strongest evidence for the health effects of cell phones is the increase in cancer rates, um, cancers and tumors of the head, basically, for people who use cell phones. Yep, yep,
1: yep. Mm -hmm. I have a friend, John Mahoney, who's uh, has a very aggressive form of brain cancer and it it just appeared after five years reappeared it 's made a reappearance but he 's um been under a lot of physiological stress for the last six months and six eight months and and you know we we kind of surmise that that 's probably the most likely reason it 's kind of come back but um yeah yeah, yeah. one of the so John are you listening
0: <laughs> <laughs> one of the parts of the evidence there is that much more often than by chance the tumor occurs on the side where people habitually use their phones
1: that 's correct,
0: so it goes so there 's some indication there ah um, so that 's one of the indications. The other is that the cancers that are being seen they 're still not popping up after typically six months you know um, when they 're looking at um, brain cancer, the glioma cancers especially. A cancer that would typically take 20 years to develop, to get to the the point that you realize it's there and you're in in trouble. It looks like the use of cell phones, that occurs in more like half of the time, maybe more like 10 years. So it's very hard to prove that kind of relationship, but you're seeing cancers happen in younger people, what looks like um, developing in shorter periods of time. So, again, to me, that suggests that the EMFs are putting stresses on our body that make it more difficult for other natural systems, um, whether it's um, like the repair systems of our immune system. It makes it harder for those systems to work. It's really decreasing our performance as we're trying to deal with some kind of EMF stress.
1: Right, and the, the, eventually the body gets overwhelmed. And I think you know, cell aptosis of cancer cells is a—it's a common. We all—we're all making cancer cells, mutant, mutant cells, on a daily basis. But our—you know—if we're not overwhelmed with them, our body knows how to deal with them, and it—and does not become a outright cancer.
0: Yes. Diagnosis. There's a really important interplay here of, of the time frame, and so. None of these EMFs are so much, it's like, it's not like you go for one day and then you have um, a huge exposure to a cell tower and then you get a cancer. It's more like the day after day, the thing that happens over and over again that appears to be related to the health effects.
1: Right, chronic chronic, uh, exposure.
0: Yeah, I would guess similar to like, so what if you go and have, you know, a whole bunch of carbs one day? It's the way you have those two cans of soda every day.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and and as I say in my talks, you know, for most of human existence, we had concentrated forms of carbohydrates three to five times a year. You know, when fruit was ripe, or berries were ripe, or tubers were ripe, or we found honey. We didn't have it for three to five times a day for decades, which is which is exactly where you know you can see the tre- the trend line for you know obesity, diabetes. Uh, metabolic syndrome and a whole host of things, but then you've got this little added stress of EMF, which sort of accelerates the process.
0: Yeah, it's um in in in, in the in the field of athletic performance, I'm not sure because a lot of the studies are fo- focusing on the other end of the spectrum, people with with health issues. Um, but there does appear to be all kinds of connections with um, decreasing. Abilities of other functions in our body, um, and I think what happens with sensitive people or people who are more compromised is that you see the EMF effect in whatever particular part of their physiology or nervous system or immune system is the most um, um, the most vulnerable. Yes so so the yeah. effects show up in different people for some people it's like a huge amount of ringing in their ears for another one it's a kind of a nerve pain for another their skin burns for another they're getting headaches um, another they're getting more um, colds and flus so it it really varies, but the stress is the same underneath and I'm, I'm guessing similar too to uh, to diet and, and other um, aspects of um, of having too many carbs that that can manifest in different ways for different people.
1: Yeah, no, no, you make a, that's a pretty good parallel. And, and when you combine all the things, it just turns into a, a real mess. Um, so yeah, no, and this closely cor- correlates with, with my previous podcast with Dr. Beverly Rubick, who's doing this red blood um, agglutination work. That's just, it's just so clearly showing and, and interesting when you, when we started this, this, this conversation you were talking about, you know, the, different variations in humans and and it was clear the agglutination in a healthy young male was much less than in an elderly female when they were using a, a a cell phone both in the carry mode and in the active mode
0: yes 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 there's um there's a lot of ways this shows up um yes and, and, and interesting blood effects like people who do kind of the, the dark microscopy microscope work where they look at how blood cells clump or uh, there's interesting changes in our chemistry um, and our cellular functions that are um, changes. in. also um, some people actually monitor their exposure to EMFs by monitoring their pulse and blood pressure. And they can actually, you know, everything else being the same, they can actually track the effects on their system because they'll see their blood pressure and or um, um, rate go up.
1: Wow! Wow! So, cell phones. What about now? What about wireless, microwave, some of the other common things? And then we're yeah. going to go on. We'll go into some of the other say common things that people don't even know about.
0: Sure. Um, cell phones are typically probably our number one worst. Uh, strongest, most significant exposure. Um, you know, in the studies that found influ- uh, an, uh, an effect on the rates of cancers and tumors of the, in the head, and there's different kinds, um, th- those studies, there's always a lag. Like when we find out a study today, wow, cell phones are linked to cancer. Well, that's not the way we're using cell phones today. That's the way cell phones were used five years ago yep so the links to increased cancers, tumors, and a speeding up of the process of of cancers developing that's based on what was called heavy use five to ten years ago, often, which now is almost um silly a low end use for the average person
1: yeah and plus the um receivers and, and- you know, it's a radio device, right, an in-and-out yep. radio device. And so they're much stronger now, I understand, and then the next generation are going to be stronger still.
0: Yeah, so that gets interesting where um, not so much that they're stronger. In fact, if you go back to those old brick phones, those really big ones. Oh, the analog phones? And The old analog phones. Those had actually quite higher um, levels. And what you'll typically find is measurement-wise, you'll get lower total levels of energy being broadcast. But, but what's interesting with my sensitive clients, if you go from 2G to 3G, people have more trouble with the new technology, even if the signal strength is not longer or stronger. Um, it went definitely with 3G to 4G, and even the old brick phones to the first digital phones. And it turns out, you know, there's, there's two things involved here with EMFs. It's not just the strength. It's also the quality of the field there's a big difference between one EMF and another, one radio frequency and another. And those original brick phones sending an analog signal that was fairly strong, but it's a relatively clean, it's, a, it's not a natural signal, but it's much more natural than the digital fields that we have now, like for 4G cell phones and cell towers, it is a very fast, complex, um, you know, every time you go from 2G, 3G, 4G, and soon to 5G, your, the engineers have found ways to pack more information into a smaller amount of time and a smaller packet of energy. So it's kind of like you're designing a, an even more um, a stronger chemical and you need less of it, but it has more physiological effects. So basically, as technology progresses... Um, the people that are defending, saying, hey, there's no health problem there, will actually point to, wow, this is actually giving you less exposure than it used to be. (laughs) But when you look at what's actually happening for people, you're seeing more health effects, and that's probably due to the complexity and the, the, the greater level of unnaturalness to the newer technologies than the step before.
1: Wow, that's that's amazing. You know, it, it, interesting speaking about this because my father-in-law, who lives with us, um, I call him Rain Man because he literally is—he's—he's he's very highly defined Asperger's—and mm. because my wife is a world-class research scientist in plant pathology, and and she's got two PhDs, two MSs. She's you know the best and the brightest in that field mm. in her field, and yet her father actually tests out much significantly higher than her on an iq test uh-huh. and he has no formal education his his and you know just like rain man he had a he had a special gift in a certain field where he was a genius and it was in power supplies for electronic devices for military aircraft submarines things like that and and the you know he became an engineer's helper because he was repairing and testing all these devices and they were having problems and he was able to go home home and graph them and mm. graph out you know wrote a program on an old computer this was in the 90s and and um fixed these problems that the engineers couldn't fix because it was it all had to do with getting clean power
0: wow interesting
1: yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so this, i'm aware of this kind of thing how you know making sure that power is clean that a power supply is clean and and how that can affect and like you said you know The standards are much more rigid for for electronic devices and humans, so this is kind of an odd intersect,
0: right? It is. In fact, there is a lot of time and energy put on dealing with electromagnetic interference problems with electrical systems, devices, and yet it's totally denied as being possible for humans and biological systems.
1: Okay, everybody's listening, right? <laughs> everybody's listening. Um, Jack Cruz is not as crazy as he makes himself out to be.
0: <laughs> no, he's actually, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, I, I admire him and the work he's doing. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, okay. And what about wireless? I mean, now everybody's got wireless. Wireless is ubiquitous in our environment. Literally, I mean, in our urban environment, it's it's yeah. it's, some, it's something we're we're just. You know, It's one more thing besides electrical uh, radiation or our devices, but wireless has become ubiquitous. So tell us yeah. a little bit about that.
0: I'm thinking, can I back up to cell phones for a minute? Sure.
1: No, absolutely. Just, this is your conversation.
0: I'm just thinking, um, so I hate to just say, oh, yeah, cell phones, bad, bad. There's, um, there's a lot of choice that you have, and a lot of this is pretty common sense sort of things, to reduce your exposures to cell phone radiation. And the biggest thing is to get a little more distance from the phone. So if you have the phone right at your ear compared to even maybe 12 inches away, 12 inches away you've probably reduced your exposure by a factor of 100. So I tend the very little that I use a cell phone is I use it on speaker mode. And, of course, you can use a hands-free kit, um, um, headphones of some sort, um, there's a little controversy there because sometimes the wires to that headset can conduct some of the field. So you're usually better if you're on a speaker mode, but having it on a, on a, on a wire um, to your head is so much better than having the actual phone at your head.
1: Or a Bluetooth,
0: correct? Or Bluetooth is also trouble. It's wireless. Did you say Bluetooth or Bluetooth?
1: Bluetooth, the Bluetooth headsets. Bluetooth, okay,
0: yeah. Bluetooth is wireless and um, even though it's a relatively lower-level signal, because you're only trying to broadcast for, you know, 6 or 10 feet around you, not for a mile to the cell tower, most Bluetooth devices are so close to your brain, are really kind of close, that you're probably giving significant exposure to a part of your brain, even from Bluetooth. Yep. And then the other thing that people do, which sometimes works if you're using some kind of um, wired um, headset of any sort of, um, hands-free kit, is there's a type that has an air tube at the end like the last six inches often so you don't have a wire conducting feels right up to your ear they don't often uh, the quality of those isn't as good but you can try that and there's a there was a brand called blue tube that's why i was asking about that but there's a couple of brands out there typically the people that use those and like them they get like three or four a year <laughs> because they keep on breaking on them so it's not a great solution for some things but for, um, but it kind of leads me into thinking what some people might do, for instance, when they're running or training. Depending what you're doing, if you're using some kind of wireless device on your body to um, receive wireless signals, you may be exposing yourself to radio frequency fields in a, quite a strong way as compared to if you have some kind of device that has the uh, maybe an iPod or something where you have the music or whatever your lecture already on the device and you're only using it um, to um, for, for the speaker going to your ear, your, your, you're not using any sort of wireless mode. Yep, similar um, like when I use my for my um, for I have a smartphone, I kind of broke down and got one for certain reasons. I use it maybe two times a week to tell my wife when I'm coming home, kind of thing, and then turn off. But I use it a lot on. On, um, on airplane mode a huge amount and I use it for recording voice for taking pictures and videos and all kinds of things um, but I use it as a non-wireless device mode almost all the time and that's something I, I think one of the biggest things that people who are working out can think of is like okay I want to have this electronics I want to set this up in a way that I'm not using wireless in any way um, or we're not
1: sending signals out to a cell tower or a GPS satellite.
0: Right, right. Cause that sending and receiving. Sending and receiving, right. Yeah. Um, it gets tricky to know that, too. Um, so one of the strong things I'd already recommend, um, although I want to kind of give ideas, here's what you can do um, to reduce your exposures, I really highly recommend getting a test meter to actually check out what your devices are doing. Because it's a lot easier to just detect it and measure it. Oh, my gosh, I thought I had it on airplane mode, or I thought I had this happening. And look, it's still emitting fields. It's so easy to detect it, and it's so hard to kind of predict it otherwise. Um, do I really have No, now, now,
1: I'm going to be shamelessly self-promoting you here. You have these test meters, right? You offer these test meters on your site? Yes. Um, okay.
0: My site is the EMF center yeah yeah, yeah. we'll have that
1: we will have that at the end but um and i just want to make sure that we we give people the resources and plus we give the resources via you because um you know we want to make this good for you as well as um all the information you know this is invaluable information you're offering to our I
0: listeners i appreciate that and just let yeah. people know there's some there's some really kind of cheap low-end devices out there that are almost more trouble than than help. So um, to give you an idea, you pretty much have the, about the lowest cost type of meter out there um, to do this kind of testing for this wireless stuff is called uh, the Acousticom. A-C-O-U-S-T-I-C-O-M. And it usually starts for around $219. So you're kind of in that over $200 range and pretty much everything less than that it's almost like the the information is so un, untrustworthy, it's almost worse than having it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can be lulled into a false sense of
0: security. Yeah, or the opposite way. Obviously, you can think there's some huge problem, and it turns out it's not. So it's yeah. almost like bad information is almost worse than, um, than no information in some cases.
1: Yeah, no, and, and we're offering, you know, like right now, you know, understanding the issues and the information and, and knowing the information and then, you know, you offering some really doable solutions, everyday solutions we can do, um, you know, it's going to, yes. you know, just listening to this podcast is going to allow people to probably um, reduce their EMF um, exposure manifold.
0: Yes. So fr- so for instance, as we were starting to go into like Wi-Fi routers and other wireless, it's the the main thing that I would like to suggest to everyone is, get one of these simple test meters and we also rent them to make the cost even easier right so you don't have to buy even that Um, but to do some testing because it's so amazing you'll think you know you have the wi-fi router you know you have the smart meter you know you've got your 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 iphone and but oh i didn't know that my roku tv system was wireless or the gateway for AT&T's um, service was wireless or the alarm system is wireless. The baby monitor is wireless. It kind of goes on like that. Um, it's so helpful to just test and see what you have. And it's... um a neat thing about some of these meters, the the, the acousticom, I mentioned that one. It has the first word acoustic, in it, acoustic. It's because it actually makes a sound. It has it has a sound, an auditory feature that turns the radio frequency into a sound, so you can you can hear the different distinctive sounds um, uh, when you take the modulation of these different RF things, like a cell tower versus a Wi-Fi router. You can not only really tell the difference from them, but you get kind of a f- more physiological sense of of what's going on around you, and it really helps you go, oh, my gosh, that, that sounds horrible, and I want to get rid of that. I didn't realize that was on that often, or I thought having it you know, by my bedside all night, the phone sitting there was off, but it's not. There's so many things that I could never predict by... Um, uh, without without the meters that these days are so many sources I just want to really say it's a great thing to get one of these rf test meters and see what you actually have going on in your own world and then actually i find it relieves stress because then you're no longer wondering is that making a lot is that making anything have i turned that off it really kind of empowers you gosh i'm going to turn that off or gosh i'm going to put that in the next room or hey we can turn off the wireless router at night or hey i've got two kids i uh I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little work and set up the computer system in the house. So we have it, Ethernet cables going to the computers rather than using wireless. You know the list kind of goes on when you see what you have in your own case.
1: Yeah. So let's let's move to the wireless um, technologies, and and then we'll move on yeah. to like microwave, and then some unknown, You know some of the things that are
0: emerging that people
1: really aren't aware of.
0: Sure. So. Um, so I mentioned a few things already. Are you thinking of um, Peter the different kinds of sources of wireless?
1: Well, just just sort of an overview, more like like you know like the wireless that that, that we have in our homes at Starbucks. Yeah. You know, it's it, yes, it, yes. it's become ubiquitous. I mean, some cities are actually trying to have wireless available all yes. over the city. Yes. Um, what is the you know where does that rate in the? Um, Yes. Scale of how much exposure we're getting. I You're mean, good. it's it's certainly one more exposure, but it's is it is it as bad as a cell phone? Is it as bad as a microwave? Oh, yeah.
0: Let's let's categorize it a little bit. So generally, the strongest and worst exposures for people are anything you have right at your head. So um, cell phones, Bluetooth is usually the worst, strongest exposure, especially to your brain. So that's kind of like the the worst, uh, typically. Um, the next worst I think of is everything else that you're kind of putting your hands on, like you're you're typing on your wireless laptop or uh, doing something on your iPad or um, something that's near your body that's also transmitting, but not your not right at your head, but it's near your body. That's a not, That's the next level of, of fairly high exposure. And then the third step, next level um, down from that is all, usually all the stuff in the house because you're farther away from it. It's not as strong to you. you know, if you have, I've seen people who actually have like a, like a Wi-Fi router, and it is there right at their desk, right 12 inches from their head. That's fairly strong. But most people, you've got 10 or 12 feet or more in another room. Um, so that's, another, that's a lower exposure but still um, significant. Um, that's another level of all the devices in your house.
1: Right, and the router, because the router is only, you know, most of these routers um, that we're exposed to on a, on a daily basis, whether it's in our home or in our hotel or in a Starbucks or wherever, they're only broadcasting in a certain range. So their, their frequency and power level is probably less than, you know, the cell phone you have in your pocket communicating with a tower a mile away. Is that correct? I'm just trying to context. It's
0: right. It's, um, It's a little more mixed up than that. So with any of these sources, wherever you have the antenna, whether it's the antenna in your cell phone or the antenna for the cell tower, the levels are fairly strong near that antenna, and they drop hugely with distance. So a big thing in your exposure is distance um so but so anything near your body that's why those are generally the worst exposures because that distance is so so small right and that and
1: that's an exponential and that's an exponential factor right because like you said if you have a cell phone up to your ear huge exposure you just move it 12 inches away from you you've you've taken that exposure way way down manifold many multiples of time and if you move it three feet away there, but but the difference between, say, a foot away and 12 feet away is is a lot less than between the 12 inches and right up against your head.
0: Yes. So for most people, their strongest exposures are those three things, at your head and then next around your body and then other things in your home. Now, the thing that complicates it is there are these outside sources. People's smart meters, your neighbor's smart meters is a fairly close one, the next closest. Um, but you also, the other, the biggest thing that's really affecting most people right now is all the different cellular antennas, cellular antennas, and the way they're being distributed. You know, like where I live, there used to be one cell antenna about three, four miles from here. And now it's only about a quarter of a mile on the, on the light posts of the, of the high school. Um, so they're getting more distributed, really they're getting closer, And if you're very close to a cell tower, then sometimes like all these things, like even your own cell phone, are kind of small uh, in comparison because you're so close to something like a cell tower. But for most people, you're far enough away from the cell tower that it's your own stuff. And that's actually one of the reasons I sometimes again suggest that people do a little checking with a test meter to see what you have because if lo and behold, you find that your apartment where you're living you didn't know it, that there was maybe a cell antenna on top of the roof of the apartment building or something, and then it doesn't even matter. Yeah, you can turn off your Wi-Fi router at night, but that's just a drop in the bucket, right, of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, the testing kind of helps you figure out where you're at and where's the, um, where to put your energy as far as making reductions. And for some people, um, we'll actually consider moving away from those sources.
1: Yeah, no, no. When you have that kind of acute exposure or acute chronic exposure, like living next to power lines or a cell tower, there are some studies about people, you know, correlation epidemiological studies about people that work next to microwave towers who work in them or, you know, and high rates of cancer. Um,
0: Some of the original studies, um, an interesting one was here uh, near where I live in San Francisco on the the Sutro Tower where um, many years ago before we had – cell antennas just the AM radio station and TV antennas that are on this hill there was more cancer as you got closer and closer to those antennas you have some pretty high exposures so that was already health effects from these big antennas broadcasting the old-style analog fields the more natural type of fields and now we've increased are typically exposure with these digital um, modulated, much more unnatural types of radio frequency fields. Yeah,
1: and like you say, with the with the ad, with the progression of technology, um, they're like you say these packets of of, of data and this, the way they stream them quickly and stuff. It's it's you know it's it's amazing what they're doing, but at the same time, it's it's creating a physiological stress on our bodies that we really are. Don't even understand at this point, but we know, you know, right. it's there.
0: We are the experiment at the moment.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, um, and then you know, like like microwaves, those are things we want to kind of like stay away from, right? Get away from. Use them, but don't use them. What What's your mm-hmm. take on this?
0: The microwave ovens is what. You're yes,
1: because that's a common. That's another mm-hmm. common thing, and some people are, are don't want to use them or have them a, a, around. Um, and so yeah.
0: that's an interesting one in that um, I I look at it as as a lot of these things, I look at it, how much are you using it? How much total time in the day? Is it a small fraction or not? So it used to be that using a microwave oven, which makes quite a strong radio frequency field, which will fill that whole kitchen and into the next room quite significantly, just the leakage, the, the loud leakage of microwaves, that these days is relatively small compared to, like, our Wi-Fi routers, cordless phone systems, decked phones, um, iPads. (laughs) So it's interesting. Um, Wow. the, um, The leakage from microwave ovens is fairly similar to these other things, but microwave ovens are only making this leakage radio frequency energy when they're actually being used.
1: Right, and, and I think that the standards for commercial application in microwaves, the standards are such that the leakage is much less than a consumer level microwave.
0: I don't know that that could be.
1: Yeah, no, I, I believe it is because you you can't just use to be in a commercial application. You just can't use a run of the mill, you know, Best Buy microwave. You have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty. I am pretty sure, and, and I'll try and look that sure. up, but. Um, uh just because of the the amount of use and exposure
0: yes so so typically when you're at a microwave oven or when you're using your cell phone you might be i'm I'm just going to throw out some numbers here you might be at an exposure to your body a part of your body anywhere from typically five or ten microwatts per centimeter squared it's just one of the main units types of units um up to maybe um, 10 or even 100 microwatts per centimeter squared that's kind of a a wide range 5 to 100 um, microwatts per centimeter squared and that is totally allowed within our present framework of safety levels because for this the FCC levels that govern here in the United States and pretty much the same agreement throughout the world in most places the allowed level is a thousand so you have um, a thousand microwatts per centimeter squared is the safety level, and most of our devices at the most give us up to a hundred. So we're almost always at least a tenth of the standard. So everything's pretty safe according to that. And yet we have found studies linking health effects in, in the the lowest level linked to cancer for for these radio frequencies, things like EM and radio stations, towers, and Wi-Fi and our cell phones. The lowest level link to cancer is, I'm just looking that up to make sure I get the right, 0.2 microwatts per centimeter squared. So, Oops. Yeah. And and there's been levels and, and, and effects. So that's just the lowest level link to cancer, 0.2. And interestingly, there are effects at lower levels. The research has found levels as low as down to around 0.003. And at those relatively low levels, which which is almost everybody has these days, right? It used to be 10 years ago you could have a house at .003. Now that's getting kind of unusual because there's so much wireless. But already at around .003, you start to see behavioral effects on children, less ability to concentrate, more ADD, those kind of um, behavioral sort of effects. And you also start to see at those levels effects on male sperm,
1: Motility, well, yep.
0: yeah. So you start to you, you, you don't see cancer showing up at that low level at, statistically yet in the studies, but you start to do see you do see these these um, um, effects on us. So pretty much we are living in kind of a soup of things that even the studies have shown that there's already physiological and biological and um, mental effects on us. And well, and this
1: is one of those things I want to find somebody that deals with it. But just I noticed with myself that working in front of a computer and because of the way the Internet is interacting with us today that, that I have ADD. I mean, I can't stay focused on
0: anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and yes. I, I'm just an N of one, of course, but it's it's very distracting. I'm finding my ability to focus on a task and really – take it in and, and, and interact with it, whether I'm reading something or I'm writing a document is severely impaired by the, the medium because all of a sudden your this notification comes on and that goes on. I'm, you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm closing browsers, shutting the phone off and just simply trying to do it. But even with the, but I'm suspecting that some of this EMF field is also affecting myself, you know, whereas, you know, when you read a book, in a place that doesn't have a lot of non-native EMF, it's a very different experience.
0: Yes, I think there's multiple factors in what you're talking about, and some of the things that are even new in my profession and what I'm doing is teaming up with people who are looking at more of these behavioral effects just of the digital technologies. Even EMF-free, there are certain things about having a phone where you see that you're, you know, you're, there's so much information. Then you add the EMFs to it, it looks like that's a kind of a double whammy um, the EMFs are causing certain stresses to our system that actually some people are proposing is very similar to an addiction
1: yes yes electronic addiction
0: mm-hmm. and there's a there's an EMF component to that addiction and it's very, you know, because I'm basically my work is to help people simplify, not get rid of all their um, electronics necessarily, but do it in a much cleaner way, and and to simplify, you know, do you really have to have that screen in front of you to do this, or that monitor doing this, or you know, and can you simplify? Do you need really need that Wi-Fi router on all the time? It's it's emitting fields even if you're only using it for 15 minutes in the evening. The whole day and night, it's emitting, despite that, right? So, right. so how to simplify things is really is, is is seems to be really important today, and I and I think just for feeling good about life, it's getting kind of important to disconnect from EMF things um, to give our our nervous system a chance to feel a little more natural.
1: Sure. Now, the one last uh, area I'd like to cover before we sort of wrap it up and look yeah. at the doable ways is is some of these. Um, you know, with the, like you say, in the last couple of years, things have kind of sort of ramped up, and a lot of manufacturers are using RFID chips. I mean, a lot of cars are now using multiple computers, multiple RFID chips. You know, like, like just the fact that a new car has so much electronics on it, I, I have this mm-hmm. curiosity of what, are they, what kind of field is in a new car, uh, let alone, say, something like a hybrid or a Tesla. Yeah.
0: You know. Yes. Um, well, um- there is, um, it's a little complicated After there are the different kinds of EMFs. And the one we started with, the magnetic fields, it's interesting. In, in hybrids, in electric cars, it can be awful, but not necessarily so. It turns out that your regular gas engine car makes quite a lot of EMFs also. Every time the ignition, uh, the spark plug fires, it's like a little electromagnetic field explosion. Um, so there's all kinds of issues, and um, we've actually done um, a client of mine and I have done some testing and um, on on some of the Tesla models, and amazingly low levels from the Tesla compared to this fellow's Porsche, <laughs> which had humongous levels, and then and much more, um, and and the Tesla was less than the average gasoline engine car. This particular uh, model we were testing. So there's a lot of variation. It's another reason why I always recommend people get meters and try things out because it's so hard to predict. Um, but so you have this kind of magnetic field issue, which has to do with the electronics for the ignition system and the alternator, um, and also for the you know the, the the batteries for the electric cars and hybrids and in the, the electric motors. So you have that. But it, it's interesting. There's also now a huge amount of radio frequency sources in the cars. The big one, of course, being some kind of Bluetooth um, that's often on, whether you know it or not. But yep, GPS receivers. There's all kinds of things. I still use a passive GPS, um, which doesn't send out. It's just, you know, all the information saved in it. it doesn't need to talk to anything. It receives the GPS satellite's data that's already out there, and that's the way that I use GPS and reduce my EMF exposure, but there's so many things, again, um, if you're concerned about this, it's really get a good to get a meter because there's even things like sensors in the car. In some cases, rather than run the wire from the back of the car, you know, to the front um, to connect to the computer um, to to say what's the temperature back there because they're regulating the temperature of the back part of the car compared to the front of the car. Sometimes things like that are done with a wireless sensor now rather than even run that wire. So there's all these... Well, that's... Yeah, <laughs> that's what,
1: and that's what I'm referring to is, is when you think about it, just a piece, you know, taking a sticky tab on an RFID chip and mm-hmm. pasting it on rather than actually creating a wiring harness um, can really save a lot of money.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. There's a lot of convenience in sometimes saving money to these things. I think of it as similar to, like, yeah, it's easy to spray chemicals on a field, um, but if you don't count in the, the health effects on us as a result of ingesting those chemicals, <laughs> it looks like a good, you know, what, what looked like a, a, like, a, like a good thing that saved us money and time now becomes something that's actually destroying us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Often the expedient method has unintended consequences. right.
0: Right, right.
1: So, so, any other um, things you can think of off the top of your head that that you know we we might need to be aware of? You know, because of this whole uh, proliferation of RFID chip use, because of, because of the fact that it makes it very economical. I mean, you have all these um, security systems. I, I'm trying to just yes. think of all kinds of things. You know, now you're having houses that you can get apps with with your phone where you can turn set the heat remotely yes. and. And turn your lights on and off and everything that, you know, they're being marketed as these wonderful things. But then behind it all, there's, you know, it's wireless. So there's radio frequencies floating around the air and uh, creating a physiological effect on us.
0: Yes. There are so many sources. I I, I kind of figure that the average person, when they think of, they know what what are all these sources, that they're maybe aware about 10%. So I would say there's, for everything that somebody's thinking of, there's probably like nine more things they're unaware of. Wow. So it's very difficult to predict without doing a little bit of testing. But the basic thing comes down to simplification. Almost always when you um, – for EMFs, almost always simpler is better. Um, like you have like more – well – Take take um so you know actually another source we haven't talked about is um solar systems and I'm, I'm really for solar energy and alternative energy I hate burning gasoline um and other and fossil fuels um there's a downside to solar you get a lot of EMFs from the inverters but you could have a so what a lot of what I do is help people do solar systems that are more simple it's kind of the old way you had an inverter and you basically and the and you basically had your inverter making um, AC, the type of power we use in our house, from the DC, the type of power that's made by the panels. But now the systems will have all kinds of optimization um, things going on. There might be radio frequency devices in little micro. Um, inverters in the panels on the roof and they're sending signals to each other into the system and saying I'm being shaded now so change the configuration you squeeze a little more um, power out of the system by having all the signaling but rather than run wires to do this it's usually done wirelessly and just like that now there you are in your house and you've put a whole like little wireless grid on top of you in the roof or also in the garage where the maybe the inverter is. There's all these things that are coming with these extra um, um, RF and EMF um, sources so that what I tend to think of if, to, is, to, is, to, is to try to be simple. And I think of whenever I'm getting anything, if I can do the same thing without wireless, why not?
1: Even if there's an added
0: cost to it. Even if there's a little bit of added cost, um, And unfortunately, that's the way it's going since everything is so wireless, kind of geared up for that, that that's often the cheapest um, alternative um, because that's what's being kind of produced in the biggest quantities. So that is unfortunate that sometimes it takes a little more time and attention to do something wired versus wireless. But, yes. o- but often, like with solar systems, it's just we talk to the ins- to the people who are setting up, say, actually, this is great, but we really ought to do this without any wireless, you know. Um, and then, oh, yeah, we can do that, you know. We did that for 30 years. <laughs> we don't right, have to do Right, the, right, right. And
1: there's, there's probably some shielding you can do on the inverter to, you know, put it in a, a location and, and, and shield it to a certain extent to minimize its its, its- EMF.
0: Yes um, and no. Actually, it gets shielding gets to be kind of tricky. Um, it's kind of like once you create the RF or the magnetic field, you're kind of like letting the cat out of the bag, and it's hard to squeeze it back in. So okay. shielding can be a little expensive, It's and it's never as good as not having the broadcast in the first place. You can never shield 100%. Yep. yep. So um, – Often it's just to kind of go simple. Yeah, I don't really need this. Do I really need to, like, wirelessly, you know, on my iPad, see how many watts my solar system is making in California while I'm, you know, in Bangkok? (laughs) Do I really need that, you know? Um, That's where some of it comes in to make these decisions, basically, to simplify. And just ask. Same thing with, like, when you're getting um, your gateways for your... um, for your from your cable company your telephone company for your internet service you know do i have to have this wireless gateway can i do this differently like for myself i have um uh, the cable company i have a a wired only type of modem and then i have a wired only not wireless type of um um, of of um you know um, switch and distributor um uh, so everything is done with pieces of wired equipment. I had to do a little more work to do that, but almost always you can still do it. It just takes a little attention.
1: Good, good, good. So let's uh, move to the final section right now before we close, and that is you know, some doable ways to, to do this. And I think you've, you've kind of covered the basics of, of the cell phone, but let's just kind of quickly go through.
0: You yeah. Know. Um, number one, test is always my advice. Because it's hard to know what's going on for any of these EMFs. Um, you know, one of the biggest things for almost everybody I find in my work is sleeping in a low EMF environment. There's yes,
1: that was that was going to be part of this. That's very good. Yeah.
0: So. so and here it's really helpful to have the meters again. But uh, for instance, there's a lot of people I have that are very severely challenged with some kind of health issue. But if we get their EMF exposure lower, lower, very low at night, they get better sleep and they actually have less trouble with the EMFs and the other issues during the day. As a result, they're a little more robust.
1: So let's 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 get the low-hanging fruit here. Are we talking about turning the uh, the cell phones in another room on airplane mode? We have a yes. Can we just do a simple cheap basic timer to the electrical outlet that the router is plugged into?
0: For example, yeah, you turn it off manually, you unplug it, you have it on a timer, things like that. Having thinking of your bedroom as the sacred sanctuary where your body's doing all its repair and rejuvenation. So if you do have like a wireless router, you don't have it in that room or the next room. We often like if people have to have them we put them in the garage or we turn them off, you know, try to get more distance where the stuff still works for you if you need it to, but it's not right there in your sleeping environment.
1: Ah, uh, okay. So that that's a that's so you don't necessarily need to turn it off.
0: It's really good to, but these days if you feel you can't, more distance is huge.
1: Okay. And that's that's the kind of practical advice we want to hear. And it and that's that gives people some options. Yes. Um, There's another should be. Te-
0: yeah. Go ahead. There's another thing I really want to mention because we haven't talked about this. There's actually these three main types of EMFs. We started with magnetic fields, the magnetic field of the planet, and that we talked about the radio frequency fields, um, all the wireless. There's a third field which is called electric field. You know that word electromagnetic field has the two parts. And it turns out all our electricity, the the power lines and our wiring and everything that runs on power has that magnetic field we talk about. It also has an electric field.
1: Yep.
0: And that electric field is not very well studied, but anecdotally looking at people who are having health issues and have sensitivity, that electric field is a huge impact. And basically it puts voltages on your skin. So one of the most unnatural things that happens to us as a result of electricity and wireless is we actually have voltages on our skin, a little bit like we're a bit of a live wire. And you can measure that, and I just wanted to mention there's a technique called body voltage testing. Um, It's another one of the meters that we carry and recommend where you actually measure the voltage on your skin. And you look, so you set it up, you look where you sleep, you lay in your bed, you hook up the meter to your body, Oh, my gosh, I'm at three volts, you know. You go turn off certain breakers and figure out, oh, I got it down to a tenth of a volt by turning off the breaker for the bedroom and the one for the bathroom nearby. And lo and behold, in all kinds of people with health issues, it solves half of their problems. Wow. And much more rejuvenation, better sleep. And it's interesting, too, so for anybody who's training, some of the highest electric fields I will see will be... um, sometimes at exercise equipment if you're on a treadmill or any kind of machine that's at all plugged into an electrical outlet you have live voltage on that wire and you have a motor or wires or controls fairly close to your body and there's voltages in those systems they send out a voltage your body is very close your skin picks it up and lo and behold you have a voltage on you and you it's not unusual to be like on a treadmill and have you know several volts measurable on your skin Um, as well as some sometimes some strong magnetic fields like from a from a motor for like a treadmill there's all kinds of EMF issues with, with electrical exercise equipment. And it's really great to test it. Um, to Because, you know, there's people that I work with that are more on the health challenged end of things. And they're trying to do exercise to be healthy, which is good. But then they're getting an EMF exposure, which is not good. And for some people, it sort of like crosses the line one way or the other each day. Yep, it's better for me to have the exercise, but it's worse for me to have this EMF. And um, and usually there's ways. So, of course, what I'm doing, i was always helping people, like, let's set up your exercise equipment so it doesn't have those fields. Like, for instance, oh, look, we're just going to ground your piece of equipment here, and look what it, how it took the fields down, or we're going to shield this motor. Or um, It's hard to know, but it's one of those things... Um, That I think is another thing that can be really interesting to test and see what your exposures are, where you exercise to make sure you don't have fields and where you sleep to make sure you don't have fields.
1: Right. Both the EMF and the electrical fields.
0: Right. Those, and all three kinds of EMFs are, in my view, equally important.
1: Wow. Wow. Fascinating stuff. Any other suggestions, Michael?
0: Let's see, yeah, go simple.
1: Um. Simple, fine. For the athlete, I think that, that we have to be mindful of some of all these devices, um, both the online things and um, the devices we wear now. Yes. Whether it's a heart rate monitor or, or, or a quote-unquote Garmin or any of the other um, yes. devices, GPS um, devices, um, I think the passive ones are, are, are going to be really great. But if they're also uploading, which is, you know, usually done through an app on your phone, that could, could actually be an exposure when you're running. And, and, you know, you combine that with what Dr. Rubik seeing in this, this blood cell agglutination. Um, yes, I, I think that I think the way we need to context is, is because there isn't quote any quote public science or body of science on this at this point. um, But there is plenty of pilot studies and uh, people that are in this field like yourself um, are seeing it happen with people, both physically, physically, physiologically challenged people. But, you know, with athletes who want to optimize and get to their performance potential. Yes. The, The the take home, I would say, is by simplifying and being aware and reducing these EMF electrical field Um. Exposures to their lowest limit. There's, there's really no downside to doing it, and a potentially huge upside. I, I,
0: I, I would say that. I, um, there's, there's so little trouble with reducing EMFs. There actually are, there actually are a few cases where people were so extremely affected by EMFs that if they went through reducing the EMFs, they'd go through like a, like a healing cycle, kind of like you've been eating, eating so many carbs and now you're taking yourself off the carbs. Yep. <laughs> and, and, you're, and guess
1: what? Your type 2 diabetes reverses itself and you yeah.
0: Yeah. But they couldn't stand that, that transition because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they couldn't control, yeah. they had some high fields they had to be into. So they actually chose to stay in the high field rather than to turn it off at night. I've only, it's the only case I've actually seen where somebody had a worse effect from reducing EMFs. Almost yeah. always it's um, just a little uh, uh, more energy, heightened sense of well-being, a little more clarity, um, uh, sometimes little little sleep problems and things that were hard to explain, you know, less of those kind of things.
1: Well, and that's the thing. The, the technology is here to make our lives better, but, you know, with every step of technology there's, there is a cost and, and, you know, we can either make that cost a lot less or we can make it Quite small as to where we get the maximum value.
0: Yes, yes, and that a little, and in our in our in our culture right now, we're not paying any attention to the downsides of most of these EMF things. And if we did, we could get almost the same beneficial results for a tenth of the exposure.
1: Right, exactly. We're not. You, what we're suggesting here in, is that you really are giving up a minimal amount, if at all, yeah. to but getting all the benefits of technology. And, and that's sort of like the trajectory of all kinds of technologies. You know, we, we yes. as technology comes along, they, they enrich our lives, make our lives better. We're not suggesting we return back to being hunter-gatherers, but um, yes. at the same time, it's, it's not without some cost.
0: Yes. And I guess when you think about it, um, um, if, if someone is trying to be paleo and sort of mimic the natural... Um, uh, living conditions and diet and exercise conditions of of um, our previous earlier generations uh, emfs should be a big one in that because this just didn't exist until about <laughs> yeah
1: abso- absolutely absolutely i mean and uh, so michael to close up um where can people find you of course i'll put this all in the show notes but um, i want people you know as we close this i want people to know who you are where your website is, what you offer, um the whole thing because I want people to seek you out and uh let's get this information out there.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. My um my business is www.emfcenter.com. EMF like electromagnetic field center c e n t e r.com. And um that's my main website. A lot of information there about EMFs, about how to test for it, um, some of the solutions for it, some of the studies, um, health recommendations. So maybe one of the most important things is um, summaries of uh, exposure levels and what you're shooting for. You know, if you, Uh, want to reduce your exposure below the levels that have been known to be linked to cancer or um, things like that you can kind of start looking at what are the numbers Um, and then of course the ways to get the test meters we recommend certain meters that um, are the lowest cost available with enough dependability and accuracy Um, there's a lot of crummy equipment in my field out there and crummy quality and in fact even the better meters there's a lot of variability in the quality so something we do that i don't think anybody else does is we actually test the meters we actually hear um check them out to make sure they're working and you know probably every in one in every every 10 or 20 meters we'll find a defective one even the relatively good companies that we're representing um uh, so So, we offer a service basically to try to help get people um, to test equipment uh, at the lowest cost, but that 's the most reliable and we partly even do we not only sell that equipment we rent it um, so that people can um, get can check more affordably uh, but the biggest thing that basically I do is um, offer um, telephone consultations which help people individually um with this as they need it like sometimes people will rent a meter and go wow i've got a really high level of something from this coming from the wall or from my exercise equipment what do i do about it and that's often where a lot of my work is is helping people make the solutions and that's what i've been doing for 25 years basically is helping come up with solutions to the different kind of emf exposures um so there's a lot of information on that website um i also have occasionally um free um um, webinars where I'll discuss a subject like if you go to my website there's a there's a whole uh, webinar you can get access to uh, that describes about the details about reducing your exposure to cell phones when you how to use your cell phone more safely and then go into much more detail than we did today about what your options are so there's things like that available on the site. And we also test homes here in the Bay Area. But I do consulting over the phone um, worldwide. So um, I find it really interesting. And I really appreciate, like your show, helping uh, people see some of the options available for their health and promoting their health in all these different levels. And I really love getting the information out there, too. This is something that most people probably if they understood what I did do and see how people are affected and know all the studies that show health effects that they would be going, Oh my gosh, I got to take this more seriously. So I really appreciate the time we had today to go over some of this. Um, Yeah,
1: this is is great. And, and uh, on, on that note, um, when people have a, a, an inkling of what you do and and realize this, you know, I think they should take your example of not freaking out about it, but taking the knowledge, empowering yourself with it and take actionable stuff within the, the constraints of of your life and lifestyle to mitigate it as much as possible. So you can optimize your health performance and all those things. Okay, Michael, thanks very much. Um, I think we're going to be down the road to be doing more things together. And um, uh, thanks again for listening. Our podcasts tend to go long, but our listeners know that because we try to pack in a, a great amount of information and, um, and try to you know, keep uh, pushing that frontier of human health and performance.
0: Really a pleasure to talk with you, Peter, and um, everybody out there. Thank you so much. Thank you. You are listening to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, sponsored by Vespa.